Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. House of Representatives must pass the bipartisan national security bill. The bill provides urgent funding for Ukraine, and it passed overwhelmingly in the Senate. And there's no question, none, none, if the Speaker called for a vote in the House, it would pass easily today. Instead, they went on vacation. I mean, it's just, well. Look, folks, all kidding aside, history's watching. The clock is ticking. Brave Ukrainian soldiers and civilians are dying. Russia. Russia has taken Ukraine territory for the first time in many months. But here in America, the Speaker gave the House a two-week vacation. They have to come back. They have to come back and get this done. Because failure to support Ukraine in this critical moment will never be forgotten in history. It will be measured. And it will have impact for decades to come. What about uh, protecting the border? What about failure to support the border? Will that be uh, forgotten by history? You cannot make an argument this impractical. This, not impractical, impractical is not the, the right word. This inconsiderate of reality. Now, I understand there are people who want to push this discharge petition. They want to get the funding for Ukraine. You guys know I'm a guy who believes in funding for Ukraine at the expense of the southern border. But that's what it looks like. You're you're not even pushing for anything regarding the southern border. This has to happen first. This can happen. And I argue that Ukraine funding should happen. But the border comes first. Where are you? Where is the supplemental to provide money to finish border wall construction? Yes, it's a fence, not a wall. Not the point. Where is the money to make sure the technology is there for the places where you won't have a wall because it doesn't go everywhere? To be able to inform Border Patrol when somebody's crossing the border. When will we see the legislation and the push to stop the rampant nonstop asylum claims that are happening? Do you think anybody should give a good holy damn what Representative Ocasio-Cortez says? She's okay with destroying the country. She's down for it. She hates the place. This is obvious because nobody would be opposed to the Biden administration actually utilizing the tools at their disposal. He is the president of the United States, after all, and working aggressively to secure the border. She's opposed to it. She hates the country. We see you. It used to be that you were just childlike in your policies. Now we just all understand you're really disgusting. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is going on, kitten? 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. This is a stunning statement from Joe Biden. It's stunning that he could say failure to support Ukraine in this critical moment will never be forgotten in history. 
You've already forgotten the southern border. May I ask which history we are discussing here? And what about this about reliance? And I want to thank all you governors here for, and I urge you, if you agree with me, and many of you do, to urge your congressional representatives to force this bill to be brought up. America can be, to prove, America can be relied upon. America stands up for freedom. We never bow to anyone, particularly Putin. This isn't about bowing. No part of this is about bowing. That is a lie. But if you're going to make the claim that this bill proves that America can be relied upon, right now the people of Texas, the people of California, the people of Arizona, the people of New Mexico, along with the people of New York and Chicago, I should say fully Illinois. How about the people of Indiana, my beloved Indiana? How about the people of all the states in the union? Can they rely upon you to keep the country safe from invasion? Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution? Yes or no? Can they rely upon you to stop the threat from Chinese Communist Party nationals, over 20,000 of whom have crossed the border, single able-bodied men? Can they rely upon you President Joseph Robinette Biden, that's his middle name, by the way, can they rely upon you to protect the nation from terrorist cells that may have crossed the southern border? Never mind who's crossing the northern border, 12,500 people, the vast majority of the Swanton sector, which is Vermont. Let's talk about reliance. Ukraine is relying on us. We're relying on you. Let's talk about how you let us down. Day after day, after week, after week, after month, after month, after year, after year, after year. And you have the audacity to ask for four more years. This administration. This Biden administration. Now wants to enact policies at the border via executive action. The story at the New York Post, I've discussed this. Politico reporting that the proposals being discussed by the White House include raising the threshold needed for asylum seekers to meet the, quote, credible fear standard, unquote, and swiftly, that's the word of the reporting via Politico, swiftly deporting those who don't meet the new criteria. Executive action that would ban migrants from seeking asylum if they enter the U.S. unlawfully through areas along the border not designated as official entry points. Can I rely on you, President Biden, to actually do this when just a few weeks ago you were telling the nation that the Senate had to pass the bipartisan border legislation so you could have the power to do this? That's what you told us. That's what you told us. You said that you had to, the the, the Senate had to pass the legislation so you could have the power to do this.
but now you're considering it the executive action. So can I ask, uh, when we talk about relying on people, uh, how can we rely on you when you're lying to us? How is it possible for us to rely on you when you're lying to us? When you sit there in front of the press, in front of Marine One, and say this. With executive authority, is there more you can do? Absolutely. Not all I can do. Give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got in office. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people. Give me the people to judge. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. You told us on January 30th, you've done all you can do, yet somehow on February 22nd, there's more you can do? I'm having a hard time relying on you because you're a liar. You are a liar and you are a fraud. You actually think I'm going to trust you and you think you can bully me into funding Ukraine with this idea of history is watching? And I'm a guy you don't have to convince. I think it is preposterous that we wouldn't fund Ukraine. It is a ridiculous idea. And I don't know what has happened to conservatives. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. We're still here. The people in this anti-Ukraine insanity, that ain't conservatism. That is a valueless proposition. Damn, am I not a populist. I know, I know, it means that we disagree about something. I'm cool with it. I just think it's crazy, this position. But there's nothing so crazy as to not protecting one's own house. You put the mask on yourself before putting it on your children. We protect the southern border and then, and then, We help Ukraine. So why don't we just do that quickly? Then again, this is Joe Biden. So why should I expect any level of rational thought? Because as he is sitting there in front of the the nation's governors, there's a big governor's meeting there, um, uh, lambasting the, the Republicans, he's also this guy. Harris Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Say what? I don't know where to start. I don't. I don't know where to start. Do I? Do I start? You know what? I'll. I'll it doesn't matter. I'll start here. I, I know uh, you just heard. Did Jill already speak? My wife. Well, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> Perfect. This is the guy I'm going to trust. Sure. And if that's not enough for you, if I were smart, I'd leave right now. <laughs> See that he got some applause and then he's like, huh, if I were smart, I'd just go. <laughs> well, we don't have to worry about that because you stayed. 
because you're not. There are a lot of irrational conversations that are happening. Yes, I think it's irrational that the political right is so opposed to the support of Ukraine. I think it's a, I think it's a miss. I think it's a mistake. I don't think it is smart uh, foreign policy by any stretch of the imagination. But you think you should be able to engage some level of, of attack? Tell me history's watching when you won't handle your own southern border, you won't protect your own nation? You're out of your head. And what of these members of Congress, these 10 members of Congress who are looking to circumvent the the, the Speaker of the House, you understand that that's what this is about. What they're trying to do is get a discharge position, a petition. I, I spoke to Congressman Jim Banks about this. I'll, I'll share that with you in a little bit. The discharge petition would say, hey, here's Speaker Johnson. He will not bring the Senate aid package to the floor, the one that would bring $60, $60 billion to Ukraine and, and bring money for Israel and Taiwan, et cetera. The discharge petition would force the legislation to the full House for a vote. There are 10 Republican members of Congress, including Congressman Crenshaw, Mike Rogers of of Alabama, Mike Turner of Ohio, Ken Buck of Colorado, Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin, a host of others. They would vote with all the Democrats, and yes, it would pass. That absolutely will happen. I am not opposed to its passage. And so much of this legislation is about munitions. And upping our own stockpiles, by the way, which that's how the legislation should have uh, been been addressed. But you're willing to do this without border protections, without the Senate taking up House Bill 2? You want to talk about why people have no respect for the Republican Party? You want to talk about why they, they, they move to populism? You want to talk about why they have this anger and show their fangs on everything? It's because this. This isn't a valuable position. I got 10 members of the Republican delegation who can't figure out instead of going at their own party and instead of crapping on all their supporters, maybe, just maybe, they should go at Joe Biden for not taking a look at House Bill 2 or something else regarding the border. People want to understand how do things develop. This is how. This is exactly how. The people are telling you something and you're like, ah, forget them. No, they're going to forget you. They're going to forget you. And if you don't want populism to run supreme, Congressman Crenshaw, you'd recognize the value of the opportunity being presented to you to move the border legislation along. And remind Joe Biden that history is watching. I'm Tony Katz. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. So long, it's not true. Wounded a woman, never bargained for you. Lots of people talking. The people at MSNBC are a, are a special group. You know, and it's one thing to, uh, to disagree about policy, it's another thing to disagree about people. It is something altogether different to take a look at the facts of the founding of the nation and declare, you see, that's the problem. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. A nation like the United States, in its formation, discussing freedom, but still allowing slavery. One could argue, man, that's a, that's a messed up founding. It's an incredible founding. Because it recognized from the beginning that we have to continue to work to get better. That this was the first step amongst many steps to get to that more perfect union. Could not have gotten there without the first steps. But as, the, as we know, the Constitution of the United States is about the how of America. How we run the country. The Declaration of Independence is the why. Why? We are a country. This brings us to MSNBC and this commentary. Well, I I share the clip. The one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, Mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. That is a reporter from Politico. And if you're screaming right now, I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait for you to be done. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. That is how the Declaration of Independence starts. It is not Christian nationalism to note nature and nature's law, and that's where our rights come from. It is only rationality. My rights don't exist by man. They exist because they exist. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights... Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. What it doesn't discuss is who then get their rights from nature and nature's law, which is to say God. This is exactly the problem. 
We don't have an agreement on the very basics, on definitions. And I'm going to get into a conversation about definitions uh, coming up uh, in, in, in the third hour. Oh, I have much to say. Of course, my right, my right to, to think, my right to not be a slave, my right to uh, speak freely comes from nature and nature's law. It doesn't come from, from man. Because what if man said I wasn't free? What if man said I couldn't speak? That man would be wrong. Well, they decided, so therefore you don't have the right. The right I, it is with me. It's with, it's with how I was born. I exist. It comes with my existence. That's how lost part of society is. My advice, don't be that lost. This is Tony Katz today. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. This discharge petition thing is a is is a thing. You've got 10 Republicans in Congress that want to engage what is called a discharge petition, and that means they could circumvent the Speaker of the House, who is not allowing the funding bill that was passed by the Senate regarding Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan. He's not bringing it to a vote. This would circumvent him. It would bring it to a vote, and these 10 Republicans would go along with the Democrats, and the next thing you know... We have funding for Ukraine before we have anything regarding the southern border. Now, you know me. I've I've been as clear as day uh, about this. I favor supporting Ukraine, but I favor taking care of the southern border first. I favor both things. I have made my argument for it. I certainly am not about to apologize for it. I can defend every part of my position. But I do rank the things, and it's not like I'm willing to say the southern border doesn't come before Ukraine. The southern border does come before Ukraine. That's what I've said. I've said it repeatedly, that the southern border comes before Ukraine. This is not shocking or surprising in any way, shape, or form. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Now, I, I, I had uh, reached out to uh, Jim Banks, a congressman, um, to, to, to discuss this. And, and I, I have it with you, but I was, I was just trying to play it, and the whole thing sounded kind of nutty. Sounded kind of off. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get back uh, to that. In, in just a little bit, because I have no idea why it's why it's sounding like that. That is super duper weird. I hate it when that happens. Because sometimes I get the interview early and I try and put it together for you. I'll 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 I'll, I'll get back to it in in a, in a little bit. I wanted to discuss what's happening in Alabama because this IVF story is fascinating. Fascinating as the day is long. And I'm not 
sure what comes next. The story goes as follows. IVF being uh, in, in vitro fertilization. So the story is, is that these couples, they had embryos, frozen embryos, in, in, in this storage facility. And something happened at the storage facility, and the embryos got destroyed. They are suing. Now, what's weird about this is what they're suing about is actually wrongful death. I'm sorry, what? I said wrongful death. Super duper weird. How in the world is this wrongful death? It's wrongful death because the state of Alabama, through its constitution in 2018, they state that Alabama protects, quote, the rights of the unborn child. Oh, okay. Wait a second. The embryo is the unborn child? You got that right. The court ruled, this is the the Alabama Supreme Court, that the quote-unquote extra-uterine children were also covered under this wrongful death law because according to the act, unborn children are children without exception based on the developmental stage, physical location, or any other ancillary characteristics. That, according to Justice Jay Mitchell. Oh my goodness. Now, for for the pro-life people, this creates a, 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 a... I don't want to use the word fascinating like I'm trying to be flippant. I'm not trying to be flippant. And I discussed this on my morning show. Producer Carl and I were going back and forth on the thing. Um, this is this creates a fascinating conversation for the bar stool, for the for the for the dining room table, whatever it is. The embryo and the ability to fertilize the 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 egg create and and, and and get to this moment that would then be implanted in a uterus to be able to gestate and therefore create the gift of life has to go through these series of, of processes. When we think about life and life beginning at conception, it would be you would be hard pressed to find people who think that that somehow doesn't mean in utero. I don't know many people, including myself, who are thinking about the embryo. The argument would be that the embryo, in some kind of deep Walt Disney-esque freeze, has no capacity to become life. It, 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 it is... Just there, it needs all the other conditions, making it different than in utero. But the law is clear that the rights of the unborn child are protected, and there is no definition that would create some level of boundary within the conversation. So, there's a question about what the bloody hell the Alabama Supreme Court was supposed to do about this. But then there's a question about what in the world we're supposed to do about this. 
what exactly are we supposed to do about this? In, in many, many cases, we, we think about things, we make statements or, or engage a conversation about legislation. And, and we're like, okay, we all know what we mean. But not everybody knows what you mean. Let me give you an example of this that I, that I think matters. Here, let me, let, me, let me read this to you. Let me, let me pull it up and make sure that, that I say it properly. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I think that's pretty clear. Progressives are like, oh, you see, you see, you, this is only for people who are part of a military. And what you get, you got to have a uniform. There's got to be a haircut. And, uh, you know, and then well, we have to decide whether or not you're in or you're out. That's not what it is. Militias are necessary to the security of a free state, which means people have to be able to proactively defend freedom and their city, their state, their nation. So therefore, the people being uh, armed and having the right to be armed cannot be infringed by the federal government because the need for them to be able to protect themselves and protect others, that is paramount. Ta-da! I did it. But if the founding fathers had just written... Yes, you can have a gun in your home or on your person anytime, anywhere, no questions. Shut up, progressives. Like, that would have been, that would have been much clearer. Admittedly, that would have been a much clearer conversation. But they didn't write it like that. They did not write it like that. So, what is it that we're looking at? What is it that, that we now say about this IVF ruling in this in vitro fertilization? That's the question. So did the court grant de facto personhood to embryos? Now, as some people pointed out, the court was not saying that they, you know, that they're saying whether the fetus or embryo has a constitutional right. They're just saying that based on on this lawsuit, wrongful death, they're 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 considered persons. You understand that what this. This. um what this legislation does is it really does put a for people who've been utilizing the technology in order to have children this is going to end the technology I mean it just stops it just stops at this moment and so, I mean, people like Nikki Haley have had to backtrack on this and a host of others. And then other people, I think it was uh, Representative Matt Gates, is like, this is terrible. This is insane. Of course we want IVF. We want to be able to help people go out there and have kids. Of course we do. This is, this is a, a, a step back in, in, in development of, of technologies because it's saying that nothing can go wrong. 
I, I don't know if, if this is is um, like people asking, well, is miscarriage murder? Uh, not in my view. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, gosh, no. And no. That's, that's, that's insane. Sometimes things go wrong and they go bad. I, 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 until my friend group started having kids, I had no idea how difficult it was for people to have kids. Like, outrageously difficult. I had no idea with such regularity that people had issues, how much time it took for them. I had... I had never heard outside of some random commentary the word miscarriage in 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 that that was something of of a, of a generation I I it was really I would argue that it was eye opening but really it was horrifying and I, I look I I don't feel bad that for my wife and I man we it, it was it was all super easy. It went super, super easy compared to other people I know who went through brutality. And I'm not interested in making it more difficult for people. This Alabama decision, this is a conversation. Because I think one could argue that by the letter of the law, the Supreme Court was correct. But it seems very clear that in the state of Alabama, they have to go back and better define in their constitution the letter of the law. Because if Alabama would really say, if somehow the embryo and storage got destroyed, you've killed someone, you've ended IVF. And I don't think we're a better society because of it. I'm Tony Katz. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. You've got members of Congress that want to step us round the speaker and actually pass the Ukraine spending without taking care of border spending. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I asked Congressman Jim Banks about this from the Indiana 3rd District. We got into a very detailed conversation, which I'll share with you later, about what he thinks about what some Republicans are trying to do in this end around uh, of the speaker. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fully against it. And this would be a big mistake and would betray the voters who gave us this majority, however slim it really is. And Mike Johnson, the new speaker, has been very firm on this. We're not going to pass a, a bill out of the House that gives more funding to Ukraine or, or other countries without addressing our own border first and leveraging uh, that, um, that focus that, that Democrats and some Republicans have on sort of 
bankrupting America to support billions of dollars more to Ukraine while leaving our own border wide open. So that that's where I stand on it. I voted against the the last big funding bill uh, a, a, year, a couple of years ago for Ukraine. I voted against a lot of, of Ukraine funding ever since uh, because Hoosiers are very clear about this. Quit, quit. Uh, I mean, we're, we're well into the hundreds, well over $100 billion for Ukraine, and we have fentanyl flooding into our country, 10 million illegals coming into our country, the crime uh, uh, that, that's come with it, uh, what this has done to, to, uh, to harm America, I think for a long time to come, is, is, it, is, is insanity. And, and all the while, we're, we're, uh, we're bankrupting our country to, to, uh, to support Ukraine. So I, I, this is a misguided attempt by a few Republicans and a lot of Democrats to circumvent the process, to go around the speaker, to go around the will of the majority. And I'm going I'm to do everything I can to push back and fight back against it. Now, as I have stated on the show, and I would say to you, I favor funding Ukraine because I favor fighting off Vladimir Putin right there in Ukraine and not allowing any level of advance. I equally favor recognizing that the border is the biggest story in America and the border has to come first. Sometimes these things have to be ranked. People like Congressman Dan Crenshaw of Texas are part of this idea, these 10 Republicans who want to push this discharge petition. And if they were to be successful, well, it's going to pass. They'll have all the Democrats on board, these 10 Republicans, and it will pass. Am I to believe that Dan Crenshaw doesn't actually believe in protecting the U.S. southern border? Well, if you if you take uh, if you take that example, you you would assume that if you went along with that discharge petition, then you care more about what's going on in Ukraine than you do the United States of America. And I think that that would be a big mistake for these Republicans to go along with that. And, I, you know, I, frankly, I don't, I don't see this as a partisan issue, Tony. I mean, I, I, I've heard from Hoosiers, Republican, Democrat, in the middle, who say address what's going on in the United States of America, bring down prices from inflation, um, secure our border, Make America strong again. Make America great again. Uh, don't fo- don't don't focus on what's going on in Ukraine more than you focus on what's going on in America. And that's the that's the travesty of it. We have done a lot for Ukraine. We've given them, them a lot of military weapons to fight back, and that's why today is this three year anniversary of the beginning of that war that Ukraine. And, and back, if you go back three years ago, they didn't think Ukraine would stand on its feet for ten days, let alone three years. That's because of the weapons that we, we provided in the Trump administration and a lot of things that have happened since. But that that's not more important to me than what's going on in the United States of America. The families that I hear from in Indiana every day who have had a, a loved one die of a fentanyl overdose because of a wide open border on Joe Biden's watch flooding this country with drugs and crime. That's just part of my conversation with Congressman Jim Banks. And I think that's the way a lot of people feel. And regardless of party. Again, going back to this idea of, I support funding Ukraine, but how is the border not our first subject? Everything else can flow from that. So much more to get into. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. 
brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Wouldn't all your listeners be more compelled by maybe Nikki Haley and Dean Phillips getting together on a unity ticket and actually doing for the first time, perhaps in our country's history, what most Americans really want, which is cooperation, collaboration, participation, decency, common sense, leadership? So I'm going to turn the question that way because there's no way Nikki Haley will become the nominee in the GOP. And the fact of the matter is right now, the Democratic Party doesn't want competition and seems to want to coronate Joe Biden. That's Dean Phillips, congressman from Minnesota, Democratic presidential candidate. You're, is he discussing the idea that he and Nikki Haley should team up? Because if so, if that's the argument he's making, I want to say for the record that uh, uh, Dean Phillips is not actually a Democrat. He is nothing more than a plant by Donald Trump to make Nikki Haley look like a Democrat. And bravo, because that's some 4D chess right there. That is like 27 levels deep. Bravo. Can I get some applause, Producer Carl? A little something? That is incredible. Also, holy crap, Nikki Haley didn't need that at all. I mean, if you kicked her puppy, she'd be in a better position than hearing that. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Oh, that's just, that is just a kick in the teeth. Kick in the teeth. The primary is tomorrow, right? Yeah, the primary is tomorrow. And Nikki Haley has no shot. Look, I've gone through the numbers. I've made my statement. The real clear politics average has Trump ahead by 25, and I think that number is low, but we'll go with it. Nikki Haley would need to overcome expectations by 16 points to have people talk about her. She has to be in single digits in a loss in order for her, in my view, to keep getting money and keep telling a story. Do you know how difficult that is? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this. It's pretty difficult. In New Hampshire, she did better than expectations by, or was it in Iowa she did better than expectations? No, New Hampshire. It was by seven. Seven. If she does better in South Carolina by seven, she loses by 18. I'm sorry, I don't know what we're talking about here. I don't know what we're talking about. What in the world is there to say about somebody who loses by 18? So you're telling me there's a chance. No. There's no chance. There's absolutely no chance. What in the world are we talking about here? I don't know what we're yelling about. This is over, right? O-M-G. Are you kidding me right now? I am not. Now, I, I have I, I have uh, uh, producer Carl in a, in a feud with me. He's in a feud, ladies and gentlemen. 
It is a near fisticuffs because the polling also dictates that in a general election, Trump barely squeaks by Biden and in many cases loses to Biden. Nikki Haley wipes the floor with Biden. Producer Carl says, but you see, Tony, the issue here is that Biden's not going to be the nominee, something I have said uh, before, and I truly believe to be uh, the, 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 the case. Um, and if Biden's not the nominee, well, then Nikki Haley's advantage disappears, one would think, because he's not the nominee. So whoever this new Democrat is brings a lot of excitement and gets people off the, the sidelines and moves the independents, and that's her base, so she doesn't get those people. Okay. I'll take that. I counter with this. That is making the argument that Donald Trump will never get those people. Because if somebody new comes on the scene, which is very, very probable, and has the excitement and can get the independence, then Trump's inability to overcome Biden is only compounded. Because right now those people might be in a place of stay home, Biden is this pathetic, dumb old man. I want no part of this election. Everything sucks. I'm going to go have a bourbon, which is not a bad idea. Drink responsibly. Give them somebody else that they can be excited by. All right, I ain't so sure about them, but they're, they're better than Biden, and therefore it's better than Trump. And okay, click, I'm showing up at the polls. Trump has the same exact problem, maybe to the worse. That's my take. But we won't know that thing until we know that thing. And Nikki Haley could try and sell that thing from now until the end of time. Her problem is tomorrow. The problem is right in front of her. And her problem is that everything, absolutely everything is terrible. But his whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. She's, oh, there's nothing. Now, you you want me to play the game of what if? Nah, we'll talk about what if later if what if ifs. I'm staring at the numbers. Do I believe anyone poll? Of course not. Have I been burned by polling? You bet. So far... In, in, the, in the states that we have really focused on, Iowa, New Hampshire, the polling has been dead on, at least when it comes to Trump. Not necessarily dead on when it came to DeSantis in Iowa, and not dead on when it has come to uh, Haley in Iowa, New Hampshire. But when it comes to Trump, It has been perfect. If you're supposed to, if it says you're going to win by 53 and you win by 51 and a half, sorry, that's right on. Why would I believe that South Carolina is not right on? Can you explain to me, I mean, walk, walk through it, what it is that Trump may have done in the past week that would make people say, you know what? I don't need this matchup again. I just don't need this matchup again. I don't need this whole Biden-Trump thing one more time. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. 
I don't want any part of this. This is what Nikki Haley thinks is the separator. They're saying 60% of Americans are saying Donald Trump's too old and Joe Biden's too old to be president. You look at the military, they cap retirement at 65. You look at pilots, they cap retirement at 65. We've got a lot to fix in this country. We need someone who can work eight years straight of hard work, day and night, fully disciplined with no drama, no vendettas, just results for the American people. That's what's at stake here. And I'm going to continue to stay in and tell people this as long as I possibly can. So the tr- if you want to sell people on, you know what? No one wants the the Biden Trump thing. Okay, sure. Except you haven't sold South Carolina this. If you had sold South Carolina on this, you'd be talking about Super Tuesday. <laughs> but you didn't. Cuz maybe there is some part of people that want that want the rematch. Um, I, I wasn't one of them, but here we are. It's going, it's, it's going down. I'm yelling timber. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. And just remember, if it is not Joe Biden, it will not be Kamala Harris. As demonstrated by our administration's record over the past three years, there are few leaders as committed to bipartisan collaboration than Joe Biden. Are you blanking kidding me? There are few leaders as committed to bipartisan collaboration than Joe Biden. What? These people will say anything. Uh, she's speaking as Biden was speaking uh, to a gathering of, of governors. They, they do these retreats uh, twice, twice a year. Good Lord. I mean, they're shameless and then there's that. Speaking of shameless, CBS and what they've done to Catherine Herridge, that is a story. I'll have that for you next. This is Tony Katz today. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. I thought I had shared this earlier. This this group in Michigan that is hell-bent on not voting for Joe Biden again. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Her name is Farrah Khan, and she's the co-founder of something called Abandon Biden. Why not? Why are they going to not vote for Biden? Uh, uh, Because uh, he hasn't done enough to see Israel be destroyed. Is there a pathway forward for you with Biden? Oh, absolutely not. You cannot keep killing people with our money and just keep thinking that, oh, we are stupid enough to elect you again because we'll fall in line. We'll forget. How can you? How can... Like, this is an insult to me as a voter. For you, Biden has a pathway forward. Biden has a pathway forward. It's not and what saying, does that look like? That is him calling for a permanent and immediate ceasefire. The straightforward, simple answer for the Biden administration is push for a ceasefire, 
stop aiding Israel in their war crimes. And I guarantee you there are enough people who would be willing to deal with it and vote for the man. That's a councilman. Israel's war crimes. This is why I'm going, guys. This is why I'm going. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I leave uh, next week. I leave next week. I will be there for seven, eight days. Uh, A lot of reporting. We're going to be doing a lot of reporting back. Um, You'll be be hearing the commentaries throughout the the, the shows. I got asked yesterday, why, why? Really, why are you going? Because somebody has to counteract this insanity. Israeli war crimes. Destroying a terrorist organization is a war crime? You're all nuts. Let's talk about what has actually transpired. Let's talk about the the, the 80,000 plus Israelis who have been uh, displaced. Actual refugees, because their homes were destroyed. Let's talk about the effect that it's having on the whole of the country. Let's talk about the destabilizing reality of a terrorist organization like Hamas. Let's talk about the support from Iran. And let's talk about these bigots, whether they be in Michigan or anywhere else, who won't even admit to what Hamas has done being wrong. They won't admit to it. That's why I'm going. See it with my own eyes. Share the stories. And I've got interviews set. I don't know if... You never know if everything's going to happen. I have interviews set with Palestinian reporters. I have got interviews set with 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 leaders. I have, I I'm going to be everywhere. As many places I can get. Sleep is for the weak. But they're not going to vote for Biden unless he goes for a permanent ceasefire. Unless he turns his back on Israel completely, which he has. Unless he stands up and says Let's praise the Intifada. I mean, that's where they're going. Uh, there, There is a Michigan problem. There is a Dearborn issue. There is. We're not discussing the idea of disagreement on, on, on things. We're discussing a, a fundamental question of right versus wrong. And the idea that Israel is always wrong and we're not even allowed to discuss Hamas, that's insane. Because we're not talking about Israeli policy. But this is going to lead me into another conversation. And I, 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 I will get to that. We need to discuss CBS. Because where are the journalists? How are they not standing up? How are they not infuriated? Catherine Herridge gets fired by CBS, which is it's insane. If I had the money to hire Catherine Herridge, I'd hire Catherine Herridge. I would start a news organization around Catherine Herridge. That's how good she is at what she does. She has um, go, has she has been reporting on uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. She reports on foreign policy. She reports on national security. She was. Wooed away, that's right, I said wooed, wooed away from Fox News by CBS. And at the time, I said, what a get. What an incredible get. CBS has a whole bunch of layoffs, and she gets fired. But as she's being fired, they keep her personal files. 
They keep her laptop. They keep all of her data. And very much so, they're going through it. She's reported on Hunter Biden's laptop. Maybe there's information on there that people don't want out. Maybe there are things in there that might hurt their preferred candidate. The idea that they would seize her documents should have every journalist in America saying, what the hell is this? This is insane. This is disgusting. This is despicable. We can't have this. We demand the release of everything intact. CBS News should be having a boycott from inside CBS News. We're not doing any shows. We're not writing any articles. You have to get fired at the very top. You all got to go. The White House press corps should be apoplectic. The demands on, on, on CBS, the pressure on CBS should be so great, public apologies should be given. But you will note that they are doing this right there in the open. Super loud. They don't worry about what you think. They know that reporters are not going to stand up and say, we don't accept this level of abuse. What kind of nation do you think we have here? We don't do these kinds of things. Nope. No, 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 no. They're going to pretend like all is fine. Who's the woman who does uh, the Sunday show? Is it Margaret Brennan? Margaret Brennan... Over there on Face the Nation. She should today. I'm not doing the show. Well, you know what? Sunday. You, you do it live? What is it? Like O'Reilly? Blanket. We'll do it live. As the show starts, uh, this is Face the Nation. Because of what CBS News has done to Catherine Herridge, I refuse to host the show. And just walk off the set right there. When reporters don't speak out, please stop telling us how important you are and how necessary you are and how good you are and how special you are. Because you are none of those things. Not standing up for Catherine Herridge is obscene. But the fact that they could do this just right out in the open. Now I'm supposed to go to them for news and trust what they have to say? I'm supposed to trust? You're supposed to trust? We're supposed to trust what they have to say? That's, that is, that is nutty. That is gross. And it is my sincerest hope. Sincerest hope. Uh, that the pressure on CBS becomes so great that people lose their job. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to get that lucky. It is just my hope. Beyond hopes, I'll leave it uh, there. Uh, I am going to get into. Uh, there is a great story about an Australian teen. 
having to deal with the consequences of his actions. I, I, remind me, I got to get to that story. Oh, that story is so great. And uh, I continue my conversation with Congressman Jim Banks regarding China and how they are trying to influence Midwest cities and Midwest mayors. And why aren't we doing more on the federal level to stop things like the Communist Chinese Party buying land in the United States? This is Tony Katz today. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. NBA All-Star Weekend comes and goes, and I think most people view it for Indianapolis and for Indiana as a success. Although I will admit that when we do events in, in the state of Indiana, sometimes you hear the buzz, sometimes you feel people kind of like really into it. I didn't get that feeling from NBA All-Star Weekend, but it's very possible that I'm confusing the entirety of the weekend with just the insanity and the patheticness of the actual NBA All-Star game when you can score 211 points and no one even, is even trying any defense. I mean, it's just boring as sin. So that game might be the thing that's depressing the people who are recognizing the value to Indiana uh, about the weekend, uh, the economic impact, and really putting Indianapolis on, on the map there. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. All I know is since that game, you, you, you take a look at where the Pacers uh, ha- have been and they're up and they're down and, and they, okay, they beat Detroit 129 to 115, but it's Detroit. You're supposed to beat Detroit. And by the way, by a, by a much bigger margin. By the way, I'm talking about the games before the All-Star game. We're up and down. JMV joins us from 93.5107.5 The Fan. It's the voice of sports uh, in Indiana. That is JMV. Uh, the Pacers beating the Pistons. That's not a story, man. That's exactly what you would expect. But all I'm hearing about is Halliburton's finally healthy and everybody's feeling good. Is that really the takeaway post-NBA yeah. All-Star game? Yeah, I mean, Tony, it can be because you're right. They're searching for consistency, and the consistency prior to the All-Star break simply was not there. But they're also looking with consistency and their lineup in mind, too. And, you know, Halliburton being able to play throughout the game and not having his minutes managed like that, you know, having now, you know, Pascal Siakam, you know, being able to get some practice time under his belt as well. And, when you bring up Detroit last night, the third quarter notwithstanding, it was bad. But the other parts of the game, the other three quarters, really good. And they have struggled, Tony, against teams they're supposed to beat. They have struggled against teams that they should be beating. And that is a part of what the remaining schedule does include. And that is a bunch of teams that should be beatable for the Pacers. And they have a laundry list of those that they've lost to. Charlotte a couple of different times, the Bulls once the Wizards once I mean they have lost the teams in games in which they should the Portland a couple of different times so maintaining that aspect of consistency combining that with this roster um, I should say with the schedule remaining of these games I think that they can make a move but it all does come down 
to consistency, consistency with their team and consistency offensively. And if you can throw in any defense, which they did last night in the first half, that is always going to be helpful as well. But I think there are a lot of reasons to be smiling for these final remaining games in this regular season for the Pacer fans. And we don't regret the trade for Pascal Siakam? Nah, nah, because they're going, they're trying to do two things at once here. They're going forward in the now. Uh, which also will be looking at the future. This is a team that's not ready. It is not ready for what Pacer fans want it to be. However, it is okay to go ahead and go for it right now, to have the leverage to be able to go for it right now and bring in somebody like Siakam in a trade and then long-term hit out and see how he is going to fit with others, with this particular team moving forward. And that's exactly what the Pacers are doing. So we're going to see ultimately if it pays off to the level, that's further down the road. But it's nice to see a team around here go for it in the now, in the present, while also keeping that eyeball in the longer-term future. As we talk about teams with a future, one does not bring up uh, IU men's basketball. Um, it, it's hard to tell what is uh, uglier, their alternate uniforms or or their play. Uh, Mike Woodson does not have a team that seems interested in playing basketball, or are they not interested in playing basketball for him? Um, I, I, don't, I think that what they do is they take their cue from the coach. And a lot of people, they have an issue with Mike Woodson. Obviously, he has a history at IU. Uh, he's got a history in the NBA. He's got a lot of friends, um, a lot of connections, which ultimately is the reason why, at least as to right now, he's probably not going to get the major heat that a lot of Hoosier fans want him to get. But I think that, that his team is reflective of what a lot of people will tell you where Mike Woodson is in his career right now. And you wonder how hard he works, and you don't have to wonder how hard they play because they demonstrate the lack of that on a nightly basis. That's the one thing that IU fans can't get past is this team kind of just going about it halfway and a halfway means and not putting it all out there. When they break down games nationally, give you a great example the other night against Nebraska, all three of the Big Ten Network guys said, hey, the one thing about this IU team that's consistent is they just simply don't play hard. They don't play hard for themselves. They don't play hard for their coach. And it makes you wonder if all those rumors out there of him not teaching that particular culture of working hard has had an impact on his players because that's the way that it looks. Talk to me about this idea that Coach Woodson isn't working hard. Where, do, where does that come from? Uh, there's, there is, and, and again, this is all, all rumor. This is a lot of... Well, you hired a guy that, what is he, 60-something years of age, uh, a little bit. Because college basketball right now is, you, you get a guy from the NBA and college basketball is much different. You've got to not just work harder than those in other coaching aspects. You know, they're talking about high school and certainly the NBA. But you have a lot more of a dynamic you have to work on now. I'll give you a great example, Tony. You have to re-recruit everybody every single year it used to be i'm going to go out and recruit these high school guys maybe i'll take a shot at juco you know maybe there is a transfer out there but now because of the transfer portal and nil money in a way in which everything works in college basketball you have to re-recruit your team every single year and i know 
it, and it would just stand to reason. Like I'm a guy, I like the eighties. I like the nineties, right? I like to look back. Mike Woodson probably feels the same way. He probably loved nineties basketball, probably dug on eighties basketball, probably still lives in the world of college basketball when he played at IU in the late seventies. So it's harder to get those that have been outside this for a while to work at a level that younger, unestablished, have not been there and done that types have. Hence, you end up getting outworked. And that's what a lot of people would suggest Mike Woodson and his staff are getting right now is outworked by others that certainly are younger, uh, certainly have not as many resources, but a lot more desire to make it to where Mike Woodson and others have been and still aren't there yet. So it depends on what you listen to and what you believe. But what you can tell is this IU team plays lazily entitled more times than not. That has to come from someplace. Dude, that is a brutal. I mean, I, 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 I hear it. And, and when you say to me, well, the rumor is, I mean, you've got your sources. You've got your people. Talk yeah. to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana. And, and so when I, when I hear it from you, I, I take it as, as okay, he's got the people where I believe this is true, but that is an unbelievably damning thing to say about a coach and about a team that you all are lazy. If if I'm a player, I'm responding to that with, with on the court. I'm responding to that with a show of force. You're saying that now they don't care. Tony, they did the other night against Nebraska. They're down 20 at the half, got booed off the floor, and came out of the half and played the most inspired basketball they did in that entire game. The problem is, Tony, it's fleeting. It's not long-lasting, and that has been the huge inconsistency with this group. I know they're without a point guard. I know they're without three-point shooting, and all that is a faulty build, again, with Mike Woodson. And Mike Woodson did go after guys in the transfer portal last year. He lost out on them. IU's got way too much money banked away from NIL. Way too much money to be losing out on others. When you know you have to have it, you have to go out there and get it. And he did not. He also talked about Jalen Hutchfino. We didn't know that he wasn't going to come back. He spent one year here and then went to the NBA. Well, it was pretty obvious to everybody out there that Jalen Hutchfino was going to be a one-and-done for a long period of time last year. So you have malfunctions in observing what is necessary for your team. And then you look at your team and you watch them and how hard they play, which is something I'm sure that they don't go out and say, Hey, I mean, you guys are going to probably half acid here for, you know, 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, but that's just how they play. That's what they resemble as a team. They went hard at it to begin the second half the other night against Nebraska. That's basically the entire time you saw them go hard and whether or not that's them, that's how they've been taught or how they're being coached right now. It is detrimental to this team and winning games and consistency. And again, you just kind of point the finger. All right. Who is it? Who's behind all this? And it always comes at the feet of Mike Woodson. It is going to until he proves everybody out there wrong or ends up moving on. Let's move it over to the NFL. The combine is going to be happening. The Colts on the clock with the 15th pick in the NFL draft. 
what are the needs? Who are we losing? And once again, we play our favorite game. Is this Chris Ballard's final go as general manager? Well, it's funny. I had said all along, Tony, when he got rebooted, right? That he was going to have at least three years. At least three years to, you know, figure out whether or not that Anthony Richardson is going to be able to thrive with the pieces he puts together. But you have to think about it this way, too. If Anthony Richardson returns and is healthy and this, this team is backpedaling, and when you're talking about, you know, an eighth year for Chris Ballard, that may be problematic for him. There's still a lot to talk about in that category. That may end up being problematic for him. However, when you look at what this team needs, and you mentioned that at the outset, this team obviously needs more weapons for Anthony Richardson. It obviously needs corner help, which you can make an argument. If they would have been more adequate at corner this past year, ultimately they could have been in the postseason. They could have won the AFC South for the first time since 2014. That was a tactical error right there in judgment by Chris Ballard, but overall they need weapons, uh, wide receiver tight end. Brock Bowers is a guy out of Georgia that may be available at 15. Who's kind of a hybrid tight end, George Kittle type of guy that would really work well here. I don't know if they draft a tight end at 15, but they need as many weapons as possible. Here's the thing, Tony, we're going to watch beginning next week at the combine and then moving forward in a month when the free agency period begins, is Chris Ballard's philosophy different? It used to be building on both sides of the football. You're going to win by running it, blah, 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 and all that. But now you have a running around the pocket quarterback. You have an extending of the play quarterback, a talented quarterback. Are you going to finally give that quarterback all the weapons that is necessary? And then the type of influence in year number two Shane Steichen is going to have on this draft, according to the type of weapons that he desires the type of weapons that are necessary and what he wants to bring in for his offense and his quarterback. So we've got the 15th pick. We've got the 46th pick. We've got the 82nd pick, round one, two, and three. Uh, not people, positions. You're, you're top three. You're the Colts. What, are we, what positions are you looking for? Well, I always say wide receiver. People get tired of that. I go wide receiver, corner, and tight end right now. I mean, it'd be great to have an edge rusher, a consistent, more consistent edge rusher. Uh, even though that is a huge need, I'm going to put that on the back burner right now and just tell you wide receiver, cornerback, and tight end is what they desperately need. There's maybe a season two to where late in this draft you um, you end up drafting somebody that's going to take over for Ryan Kelly at center uh, further down the road. That may be someplace you go later in the draft. But those three positions is where I would begin if I'm Chris Ballard going through free agency and then obviously in that April NFL draft. Michael Pittman going to get, uh, I, I don't know if he's gotten already, the franchise tag, is he going to get, he's, or is he just going to get re-signed and say, here's all the money you deserve, let's not worry about this anymore? Well, I mean, what, one of the philosophies of Chris Ballard, he doesn't really go about anything quickly, so he'll probably exhaust what the two-week period is that began on Tuesday of being able to franchise tag player. Colts haven't done it since Pat McAfee. Um, I would not suggest that they're going to just because they haven't and they rarely, rarely have utilized it. But if they're going to, that would give them an opportunity to then try to figure out what else is going on as well. However, I will tell you this, Tony, normally if you franchise tag somebody and they stick with it for a year, then he's going to miss a lot of the off-season stuff, right? A lot of the voluntary off-season stuff. And this is not the type of off-season 
with Anthony Richardson coming back from an injury where you want your main guy to miss. You want everybody together. So I'm assuming at some point they extend him. They may place the franchise tag on him, continue to talk, and then get a deal done further down the road to buy them a little bit more time. I just think ultimately it's going to be an extension for Michael Pittman Jr. to stay right here because much like us, they recognize the value. JMV, he is the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5-1075. The fan out of Indianapolis, I appreciate you taking the time. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It has been 75 years since the Battle of Iwo Jima. And for all we talk about World War II, it is clear that there is not enough concentration given to the insanity and brutality that was uh, the the war in the Pacific. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find it all at TonyKatz.com. I mean, you're fighting over islands that nobody would want to spend any time on and, and the necessity and how it moved one thing to another and the demoralization of, of uh, the, the imperialist Japanese and, and the lives lost. It's, it's madness. True madness when you think about what it was like to endeavor and say, this is how we have to do it, and then to have the force that went about doing it. So that, that 75th anniversary has been going on for, for a few days. Today is actually the anniversary of the raising of the flag. You, you've, you've seen the picture, of course. You've got these Marines putting up uh, the, the, the flag there on Mount Suribachi, S-U-R-I-B-A-C-H-I. It's this incredible photo. It's actually the second time they did it. They did it for the photo op because they had done it the first time and they missed it. And so today is the 75th anniversary of that, of that flag raising. <laughs> know your history. Start studying. It's an incredible story. I wonder sometimes if we have a military who that could do that today. And that frightens me to no end. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The story I'm about to share with you is not actually a story about definitions regarding anti-Semitism. It's not. It's a story of whether or not having a supermajority in the state of Indiana has any value for those of us on the political right. What is the value 
of a supermajority, and then maybe as a follow-up, what is the value of any elected official who simply cannot withstand the pressure? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything I'm doing over at TonyKatz.com. The story here is about legislation to create a definition for anti-Semitism. Now, I get that there are people out there. I've gotten this my whole career. Oh, Tony, all you do is talk about Jewish this and Jewish that. It's because you're Jewish. you got nothing else to talk about. And my answer, just for the sake of clarity, has always been go to hell and let me tell you what I think about your mother. I talk about the border. I talk about China. I talk about cigars. I talk about a host of things. I talk about economics. We have a panoply of, of things to discuss. But when Israel gets attacked by Hamas, when I have people like Indiana Congressman Andre Carson, a supporter of Louis Farrakhan, supporting people like Jew hater Rashida Tlaib, who won't vote against rape being used as a weapon of war. Maybe it's a subject that has to be discussed and my religion notwithstanding, it has to be discussed. When I tell you that I don't give a damn about those people, I don't. I discuss the things and I'm paid to discuss the things that, that I, I, I think matter and I think matter to us. And you've heard me discuss what's going on in Israel about how it affects us here in the United States, how it affects us culturally, how it affects indeed the southern border and those crossing the southern border and how the people who want Israel to be destroyed clearly want to destroy your family. They want your family gone. It's an attack on America. It's an attack on Western civilization. It's an attack on decency from beginning to end. These people who will not call on Hamas to surrender, but only want Israel to stop, want Israel to be destroyed. And they will always tell you why you have to stop and the other person has some rights. They really do hate you. And these Hamas supporters... I mean, it's gross that they're everywhere, including college campuses. Now, there is some legislation in the state of Indiana about college campuses and whether or not it's called Senate Bill 202 and whether or not this is somehow preventing people from speaking freely. This is this is about trying to stifle uh, professors and others. It's 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 an infringement on free speech. It is a piece of legislation put forth by Spencer Deary out of West Lafayette. And it's about ensuring intellectual diversity. And you say to yourself, they did not just use the term intellectual diversity, did they? But the argument is, if we're going to worry about diversity of all these things, why not worry about and focus on diversity of thought? Are you allowed to have diversity of thought? On, on, a, on a college campus? Are you allowed to have diversity and say, you know what, Israel's right and Hamas is a terrorist organization? Or do you get vilified for that? Do you get destroyed for that? Do you, you saw at Harvard University, you had a professor, black professor, who took a look at the data out of, out of Houston about police-involved shootings. And what the data found was while police in dealing with black or Hispanic suspects, there was more physical acts, a push up against a car, a more physical acts in engaging in, in an arrest than with white suspects. There were not more shootings. As a matter of fact, police were less likely to shoot a black suspect or a Hispanic suspect over a white suspect. And this professor 
was told not to publish. Don't share this. He was told that he was full of you-know-what. People didn't even read the studies. They just didn't like what it said because they believe that what they believe is data, not that data is, is, is data. And he got suspended. He gets suspended or he gets terminated. Uh, yeah, it was, it was by uh, Claudine Gay. That's right. The plagiarism queen of Harvard, Claudine Gay, was throwing other black professors under the bus because the data said something she didn't like. So therefore, no intellectual diversity allowed. State Senator Spencer Deary is like, we should have this. We should make sure that uh, students who have a minority point of view are allowed to speak their point of view. And this brings in a state representative by the name of Matt Pierce, who's very upset with Republicans. How dare you look at a study from FIRE, Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression? What's wrong with, 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 with FIRE? And he actually stated, did Democrat Matt Pierce, people are getting sucked into this impression that somehow there are all these crazy leftist professors indoctrinating all the kids. Quote, nothing could be further from the truth, unquote. Guy actually said that out loud. Out loud. I mean, that's just embarrassing. That is, again, a conversation about not paying attention to the data, not paying attention to what it is we are seeing with our own eyes. What we see with our own eyes is that people who are on the political right, you're allowed to yell at them, scream at them, you're allowed to uh, uh, scare them off of campuses, you're allowed to physically attack them. Oh, hi, Riley Gaines. You're allowed to do that. No problem. College students who poll after poll, they think it's okay to do this. This is standing up for free speech. You've got law students who believe that not everybody deserves a defense. They don't believe in the American way of life at all. They certainly don't believe in the concepts of civility and not as, as someone you know might say it in terms of please and thank you, but rather as Edward Schills would describe it and whether or not there is a tyranny looking to kill the minority opinion and those who voice it. So we, we have to be honest with each other and clearly Representative Pierce is out of his head here. He, I, I wholeheartedly disagree. I would invite him on the show and I do. I invite him on the show to discuss this, but we, we can't move on. We can't move forward if we don't accept the fact that on the political right, you are silenced, whether you are a student or whether you're a professor, you live in more fear, period. To the extent that anybody lives in fear at all. To this end, we take a look at this legislation regarding anti-Semitism. This legislation was to define what anti-Semitism is. Uh, in public education institutions. Now, this was a definition that was put forth by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. I opposed the legislation. You might ask me why. Why would I be opposed to the legislation? My opposition comes from the same opposition I have regarding hate crimes legislation. I oppose hate crimes legislation. A crime committed against me because of my religion is not worse than a crime committed against you that is not because of your religion. 
if I am mugged and you are mugged, it is not more of a crime against me because of my religion or my sex or my sexual orientation or, 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 or my race. It simply cannot be. that The idea that we would create these subset groups Oh, yes, stealing is a crime, but if you steal from somebody who's black, that's a double crime. What kind of Orwellian insanity is this? I want no part of it. In the same exact way regarding hate crimes, I opposed RIFRA when it happened, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. I opposed it from the beginning. I understood the mathematics of the people who wanted it. We need to ensure that people have protections for engaging in their religious beliefs and they should not be ostracized or destroyed or demonized because of it. I get their argument. My argument is I'm covered by the Constitution of the United States. I am not a special flower. I'm good. Thank you. That's been, that has always been my argument. It was my argument when Riffra came out. It is still my argument today. That was my same argument in being opposed to the idea of a definition of anti-Semitism. Now, the argument for it is actually one that you could, you could easily digest. And if you're sitting uh, you know, at the bar stool or you're sitting later uh, tonight with, with a drink, talking to your family, it's, it's an interesting way to look at it. We argue that words have meaning, right? Words mean things. Well, shouldn't we all have some definition that we can all agree to that is the baseline? So when we're discussing a subject, we all know what we're talking about. So in this situation, to define anti-Semitism on a state level is to be able to work from a baseline. Now, that's a a very good argument, right? That's a super good argument. Now, arguments can be made of, well, what about about this? What about this thing? What about we got a definition for this and a definition for that and a definition for the other? That's exactly what came up. Everybody's saying, well, we need a definition for this and a definition for that and a definition from the other thing and a definition for your mother. And we can't just have this definition. We need a definition. We should really have a definition against all hate. While those arguments are actually interesting arguments, what they are meant to do is blunt the focus of the original argument. And the original argument is we're talking in this situation about anti-Semitism. Why can't we defend it? Or I should say define it. Why can't we define it? It is not uh, acceptable to say, well, we can't just vote on that. We have to vote on all these things. Go vote on those things if you want to vote on those things. But that shouldn't mean that you don't vote on this thing. And that's been the argument. Again, I state for the record that I opposed it. I started this conversation talking about what's the value of a supermajority. What's the value of this Republican Party? As it turns out, there's been a change made to the definition. This change is now leading to Jews saying, I don't support this at all. They changed the definition to remove the mention of the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance and its examples of anti-Semitism. So the bill now states anti-Semitism as, and I'm quoting here, a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. 
So what they did was say, here is this legislation. Here is this definition of anti-Semitism. A definition written up by this group that has been accepted in many other states, and we use this as a baseline, and because of the opposition, which is really an opposition to the ideas that we even recognize anti-Semitism because they're totally fine with it, the General Assembly said, let's pretend this never happened, whitewash the thing, but still pretend like we're doing some good. What's the value of a supermajority? What's the value of this Republican Party? I oppose the legislation based on the merits of the idea and what, how, it, how it leads itself to the idea of hate crimes. If you do this definition, you will get yourself into the idea of hate crimes and I oppose hate crimes. So I vocalize it that way. The people discussing a definition have a solid, solid point and it can't be denied. So, okay, more people went with that than with my idea, fine. They're gonna push it. Now, because so many progressives and others don't actually want to have to admit or put upon those university administrators and professors and those serious amount of Jew haters out there, no matter what Representative Pierce wants to think for himself, they don't want to have to put on them some level of, well, these definitions might prevent you from speaking freely. They put so much pressure on the General Assembly. They say, you know what? We were going to do this thing, but we'll only pretend to do this thing and we'll erase, erase, erase anything that would have provided the teeth or a real comprehensive level of definition. You blanking cowards. You didn't take my position about how it led a slippery slope to hate crimes legislation. No, you were all for it until you realized that somebody in the college set might get a bit upset or some progressive might get a little bit angry and then you folded. You blanking cowards. Holy crap. And by the way, if you're a member uh, of the General Assembly uh, involved in this, I'm talking about you. Find me on a street corner. I'll tell you what I think. You want to you set an appointment? Yeah, Tony at TonyCats.com. Let's set an appointment. I'll tell you what I think, you unbelievable cowards. Good Lord. According to Representative Jeter of Fishers, Chris Jeter, we made some changes to try and ensure that we're not referencing outside entities, but that we're making the definition our own in the code. And the bill really tries to strike a balance of not impeding on any free speech, but just saying we fund state education, we want that education to reflect our values as a body. Coward! Pick the street corner. Fishers? I don't, I don't live too far from Fishers. Where do you want to meet? I'm going to call you a coward in front of your wife and your kids. Holy crap. I, it, what is the point? What is the value of a supermajority if they will not stand up? Well, we didn't, we didn't want to have anybody else's outside uh, influence. We wanted this to be our own. You took the definition from, from, from the group. You took the definition from the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. But then you got some pushback and you said, well, we can't have it. So 
So you think you came up with your own? You came up with nothing. You came up with nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I understand why there are uh, Jewish leaders, quote unquote, feel the air quotes, uh, who are like, yeah, this is, this is a bunch of bunk. And, uh, and, and I think they're right. I think they're right to say this is just despicable. My arguments haven't changed. I was still opposed to the legislation because I'm opposed to where it leads down on the slippery slope and I, and I can defend it. And I've defended against Jews. I'll defend it against anyone. But holy hell, man. And by the way, Representative Jeter, I, you know, I, 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 you're, you're in this article. I had the quote from you. I meant every word I said. But I also say that about any other member of the General Assembly who's okay with this and, and, and voted to change the definition. Cowards. And I'll say so in front of, in front of anyone. I, I, will, I, will, I absolutely mean that. I'm telling you, I don't understand the point of having a supermajority. I don't know what the supermajority brings us. I don't know why we're better off. I don't. I don't. Because it keeps progressives at bay? All right. So I just accept nonsense from these people because it's better than the nonsense from those people. Dear goodness. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. One thing I made it was made clear to me is that uh, Yolanda is going to she's going to continue to fight me out of the way. She's not letting up. That's Joe Biden talking about meeting with Alexei Navalny's wife called her Yolanda. Her name is Yulia. It's just classic Joe Biden, don't you think? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? You can't say, oh, it's a hard name. Who would have remembered it? He remembered Yolanda and not Yulia? Okay. It's not like he called her Susie. Jill. He didn't call her Jill. Yolanda instead of Yulia. And when it happens... All the time, because it happens all the time, can't we at this stage just say, all right, this guy's got problems. But as I've been sharing uh, that audio from voters in Michigan, oh, they're not going to vote for Biden. Why? Because all them Israelis. He, Biden is losing the vote from the people who know he's too old, but losing the vote from the people uh, because of the border and now losing the vote uh, of Dearborn because he won't kill more Jews. There's no way this guy is on the ticket, right? There's just no way possible. There's no path. No, No path for Nikki Haley. No path for Joe. Unless, of course, you think somehow... And on the very top of the food chain there in the Democratic Party, that there is one. That's a that's a story to discuss. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. 
Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. I never change in the concept that the border is the most important story in America because it is. The border is the most important story in America. And the reason I say so is not to say that other things aren't important. It's that when we talk about the economy, the border is front and center. When we talk about national security, the border is front and center. When we talk about culture and the American way of life, the border is front and center. Well, some things aren't happening across the southern border or even across the northern border. Some things are happening with the open arms of mayors and city councils all across the country. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. There's a group called the United States Heartland China Association. They say that their mission is to build bridges and promote opportunities between U.S. officials and businesses in the Midwest and China. But we have seen things like this happen, and that involved a potential Chinese spy named Fang Fang and Congressman Eric Swalwell, and Lord only knows what happened there. Can anybody actually trust that the objective is business and not infiltration? Congressman Jim Banks joins me right now of the Indiana 3rd District, also a candidate, Republican candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. You have been front and center on this, starting with where I live, Carmel, Indiana, and asking the question, why is Carmel, why do they have this association with China? And your question led to uh, the mayor of Carmel, the newly elected mayor, Sue Finkham, looking at this, ending that relationship. The previous mayor, Mayor Jim Brainerd, very unhappy with you and the allegation that somehow he was cozying up to China. How did this come to your attention and what is it that you have been saying? Well, Tony, this all started with a a Washington Post story on January 30th. And I understand Mayor Brainerd, the former mayor of Carmel, is upset with me because I've I've raised uh, this uh, uh, cozy trip uh, where he was wined and dined in China. Um, I I understand he's upset about this. He's, He's threatened to sue me because I've talked about what he was doing on the trip. I say bring it on because... The opening paragraph of this Washington Post story says this, Tony. It says, when mayors from cities including Carmel, Indiana, and Oxford, Mississippi, went to China recently, they were feeded in ways big and small. They test drove the newest electric vehicle models, some with seats that doubled as massage chairs. They were hosted by a deputy provincial governor and treated to aged Mao Tai, Mao Zedong's favorite liquor, from one of Chinese officials' private collections. So um, I, I understand Mayor Brainer's upset that he's been exposed, but this is in the Washington Post. I applaud Mayor Sue Finkham for getting Carmel taxpayers out of a deal where they were spending $25,000 a year to be a part of something called the U.S. Heartland China Association, which Mayor Brainerd was funneling money to. By the way, that's the group that paid for this uh, trip to send him to to China in the final days of his time as mayor of Carmel. It was a $25,000 a year contract 
that Carmel was paying to be a part of this group. Brainerd was vice chair of the group. And what we know about the group through the FBI and other channels is that it's a part of something called the United Front, which is a, a, a part of it, it has official ties to the Chinese Communist Party. And in this case, the, uh, the, the U.S. Heartland China Association specifically targets local elected officials uh, like, like useful idiots like Jim Brainerd in the, in the Midwest in cities like Carmel to bring them to China to cozy up to them so they'll make good deals and help them pump their propaganda into the United States of America. Now, so let me good, hold you. Let's, let's, let's hold up right there just for, for a second. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, I want to make sure we understand how this works. So you have got this organization, the United States Heartland China Association. They are connected to something called the UFWD, the United Front Work Department, which is part of the Communist Chinese Party, as described in the reporting by the Daily Caller as a Chinese intelligence op uh, service responsible for coordinating influence operations. Describe to us what these influence operations look like and how do they work through small and mid-sized towns in the Midwest. Yeah, this is the interesting part about the Washington Post story. And anyone listening to this, to our interview right now, Tony, they should go to the Washington Post, January 30th. The story is all about how as Washington cracks down on China, the Chinese Communist Party is targeting useful idiots in small towns and cities, mayors, local elected officials, state legislators, instead of targeting um, members of Congress like myself and others in Washington who, are, who have been more awakened to the threat. So what, why do they do that? They do that in this case uh, to like look at economic development deals where they might uh, give away the where, where a city like Carmel got for, this won't happen on Sue Finkham's watch, but under the former mayor, give, give away a lot of uh, economic development incentives to a Chinese company to come and, and locate in your city, or or even worse, the, as the FBI has flagged, these types of United Front efforts can be used for espionage to spy on the United States. And we see that the United Front also is the parent of Confucius Institutes and and organizes Confucius Institutes on college campuses to pump out pro-China propaganda. So you ask why why would they do that? Well. Right now, moving through the Indiana state legislature is a really good bill that would ban uh, the Chinese from buying farmland in Indiana. Well, guess who opposes that? The U.S. Heartland China Association opposes bills at state houses like in Indiana to ban uh, China from buying one of our most critical assets, that being our farmland. So why, why would Jim Brainerd go along with that? I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the question that hasn't been answered. But, but at least for now, we know that Sue Finkham has ended this $25,000 a year taxpayer-funded boondoggle contract that awards our biggest enemy rather than holds them accountable for what they've done to the United States of America. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, you talk about uh, Indiana, and there are other states that have been working against having uh, Chinese purchased land. We're talking about Chinese nationals, people associated with the Communist Chinese Party, not people who are of Chinese descent who are Americans, a very different conversation altogether. But when we talk about the, this level of influence, and you and I have discussed the Confucius Institutes, and this we go back a few years on this subject, with you working to push them out of college campuses, it's clear and obvious that this is happening. It is clear and obvious that China is trying to do this. On a federal level, 
Why do we allow this to continue? Well, we're, you know, there are many efforts to crack down on it. I've, I've authored several bills to ban banning Confucius Institutes. By the way, my alma mater, Indiana University, um, ended their Confucius Institute contract a few years ago because of efforts that, that we made to uh, highlight how dangerous those are on college campuses. These sister cities programs are another effort by the United Front that, that cities from Fort Wayne to Indianapolis, a lot of cities in Indiana have these agreements. And, and then, you, then you find out you, the, the further you go, the more you pull the thread, you find out there are groups like this U.S. Heartland China Association that cities like Carmel used to be paying money to be a part of. So what we have to what we have to do, Tony, is be awakened to it, be awakened to the threat, how the Chinese Communist Party, our biggest adversary around the world, plays this game. They're they're flooding our country with fentanyl. They're responsible for COVID. They were never held accountable for it. They're stealing our trade secrets, our intellectual property. They're stealing our military secrets. They are the biggest threat to our country. We shouldn't be cozy with them. We should be holding them accountable. And these types of sinister espionage efforts are an example of how that works. The the Trump administration was very tough on programs like these. And for the first time, in my lifetime, crack down on them. We now have an administration that has a much weaker posture toward the Chinese Communist Party. And I think that'll be one of the big subjects that gets debated as we head into the November elections. What kind of president should we have, one that's tough on China or one's, one that's cozy on them? And you know where I stand on that. When we discuss the threat that that is uh, China, we, we still see that they are working towards level of advance. Now, they have their own issues. If we're going to talk about China in a geopolitical sense, they have a population that is going to start imploding uh, on them. We're talking about just by sheer age and inability to replace people. We're talking about uh, losing 600 to 800 million in population over the next 100 years. They have an economic reality happening to them because of their lockdown policies. They have slowdowns going on. Uh, recession, if not depression, happening. They lie about any GDP number that has value, but they still are a serious threat to Taiwan. I I believe the term would be existential threat. And it is very obvious that they are playing this game of how much influence can we exert? How much pain can we provide? How can we, before it's too late for us, destroy what we could describe as an enemy, but really those in the way of them achieving a level of power so they can work their way through the next hundred years that uh, from a, from a uh, demographic standpoint doesn't work for them at all. Is China more of a threat now because, well, the proverbial backed into a corner has taken place? Yeah. You know, one thing that Mayor Brainerd, the former Mayor Carmel said that's actually true is that the United States and China have the two largest economies in the world, and our economies are entangled with each other. Now, his his uh, response to all of this is that we should further cozy up to them and give away the farm. I, I believe, Tony, I, I, you might be right. I mean, their their population declines um, uh, will will undo their uh, their their strength and their economy, their GDP. But America should be looking at this as a moment of opportunity to disentangle ourselves. I mean, China has stolen our manufacturing jobs. We should be restoring our good paying manufacturing jobs and our supply chains in the United States of America and become less dependent on China. And that's what that's why we set up the, the new China committee in the House that I'm a part of that we're, where we're focused on that. What does that look like? How do we incentivize 
U.S. companies to bring jobs back to the U.S. and get out of China, and and then on top of that, hold China accountable for what they've done to the United States. That that's what our, that's what our whole committee is about. Also, yesterday I wrote a letter to Merrick Garland, the the Attorney General, about this uh, U.S. Heartland China Association, and uh, to draw more attention to it. I, I don't know if this administration is serious about doing that or not, but I'm going to hold them accountable for it and and highlight sinister efforts like this that are a direct threat to not just the United States, but to Indiana, to the, to the Midwest, to, to our way of life, our economy, and, uh, and, and call on, the, call on the, uh, the, the Justice Department to crack down on, on uh, United Front efforts like this group that, that Jim Brander is the vice chairman of. In, in Congress, uh, clearly there are Democrats who understand the threat that is China. Have you found people willing to work with you on these subjects that you're talking about what's happening in the heartland have have you found democrats in in midwest states who agree with you and and want to work to put an end to this level of of influence peddling by the communist chinese party yeah uh, honestly yes uh, you know the, the the china committee is a bipartisan committee and the the democrat uh, ranking member of the committee is from chicago uh, and he's and he's strong on these issues so and 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 there are others on the committee from to different degrees who are serious about the China threat too. But you know this is a this is a Wall Street corporate America issue, and it and it unfortunately there are Republicans that get trapped in this, just like like uh, more and more so the Democrats who are beholden to Wall Street multinational uh, corporate uh, interests who fund largely fund the Democrat Party today and, and Joe Biden's campaign. That are in, that are so entangled with those economic interests in China that that they uh, they can't uh, afford to push back on it without alienating their biggest donors. And there are a lot of you know Wall Street uh, owned uh, corporate backed uh, Republicans that fall into that same camp, Tony. But more and more of us are pushing back and fighting back as we recognize that this is a direct threat. China is is the biggest threat to our American way of life, and they've made it very well known that they're. The Chinese Communist Party's number one goal is to dominate the United States of America and rule us under their thumb, like they have Hong Kong, like they have through their Belt and Road Initiative, their debt trap diplomacy efforts, countries all over the world. That's what they want to do. They want to wipe America out and become the the uh, the world leader on many fronts, and that would be a direct threat to my kids' way of life. I'm not going to go along with them and push back on it with everything I've got uh, for every day that I have left as a member of Congress. Congressman Jim Banks, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. The full interview and and both parts of it, including our conversation regarding the discharge petition and the southern border, it'll be available uh, on on the podcast. You can get that wherever you get, you know, your podcast. It's on on all of them. Just look up Tony Katz today. Sometimes you have to look up Tony Katz in the morning news because I do a morning show as well. Uh, it's, It's there. It's there and it'll be there for you. And, of course, find everything going on at Tony Katz dot com would love it if you became a supporter would greatly greatly appreciate it this is tony katz today They're saying 60% of Americans are saying Donald Trump's too old and Joe Biden's too old to be president. 
You look at the military, they cap retirement at 65. You look at pilots, they cap retirement at 65. We've got a lot to fix in this country. We need someone who can work eight years straight of hard work, day and night, fully disciplined with no drama, no vendettas, just results for the American people. That's what's at stake here. And I'm going to continue to stay in and tell people this as long as I possibly can. So the tr- You can tell them all you want, Ambassador Haley. No number in South Carolina gives you a win. And for you to be able to advance in a way that tells a story, you would have to clear double digits, meaning you're down by 25. You would have to be only down by nine. You have to get within single digits to consider it excess, which means you have to outperform by double digits. I don't see where this happens. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything. Uh, at TonyCats.com. Now, this is all about primaries. In a general, the data shows that she beats Biden handily. And and just uh, to to placate an argument, I shouldn't say placate, to respond to an argument, because uh, uh, producer Carl, he makes the point that if Biden isn't the nominee, it doesn't matter that Haley beats Biden because whoever the nominee is, she'll have a much harder time against I would argue that goes double for Donald Trump, doesn't it? If Trump barely beats Biden in the head-to-head polling right now and Haley just abolishes Biden, then if Haley now against some other Democrat has it tougher, Trump would have it as an impossibility. I think that's an acceptable argument. But neither here nor there on any part of it. Haley has not made an argument that convinces a single member of the base looking to vote in South Carolina. And I will admit it is ridiculous when I see people say, well, Nikki Haley's basically basically a Democrat, but somehow Tulsi Gabbard, she is a hard, fast, true conservative Republican. No, no, she's not. Come on. Can we just, just a little bit of focus? Just a boy looking for some people to be honest. Holy cow. Uh, the uh, primary uh, is uh, on Saturday. We will be watching. Find everything at TonyCats.com. Monday, everyone. Take care.